Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you feeling today, Cecil? I'm actually uh, feeling not too well today, but, um, you know, that's what happens when you have a four-year-old. Yeah. Um, my seven-year-old a week ago gave me her cold, and now I still have it. And um, unfortunately, uh, the next day, I got on a plane for the serverless conference. So I was sick the entire time I was at serverless conf. Uh, that sucks, too. So you, you really didn't get to see too much of the conference then, did you? Uh, I saw the entire conference. Um, I didn't interact with as many people as I normally would at a conference. I got some good conversations in, especially with uh, the serverless framework and the Azure Functions team. But uh, I I didn't talk to a lot of the attendees at all. I kind of didn't want to get people sick. But um, right. overall, it was a it was a really good time. It was a really good conference. Um, you you would think that hey, serverless conf. Why would you need a conference on serverless? Um, but there was a lot of interesting topics, especially I would say if you're interested in serverless or interested in doing it in your, in your organization, I, it's worthwhile to go. There's a ton of stuff that you could learn, um, just from a newbie perspective. I've been dealing with serverless for nearly a year now, and I was looking for a little bit more deeper content and it kind of was a little bit lacking, but, um, overall I came out with a bunch of stuff I need to take a look into and dig into. Nice. That sounds pretty cool. So you went to a conference, and I'm going to be going to a conference. So I just uh, recently got accepted to speak at that conference. So that's the Summer Camp for Geeks is the way that they, uh, they have it titled. And that's going to be in August of this year. That's um, cool. And it's going to be in Wisconsin. I've never been to Wisconsin. So that's going to be another interesting uh, trip to make, too. We'll see what that's like. It still sounds it's going to be cold in, in August. Dude, you're cold in Orlando. You're going to be cold all the Dude, time. I'm cold right now, and it's like <laughs> 85 degrees. Yeah, exactly. But one of the cool things I'm looking forward to also is it's at a water park. Um, it's supposed to be at this huge, um, the Kalahari Resort water park. So I hear those are pretty nice. So we'll see, uh, we'll, see what, we'll see how it goes. That sounds cool. Yeah, dude. That sounds unique. That it, sounds like a conference. It's that conference. <laughs> <laughs> so Richie, what else we got going on, man? So we're trying to get the newsletter kicked back up again. And as a benefit to subscribing to our newsletter, we do these extra episodes. Now, we've done two already. And our next one, which we recorded at Orlando Code Camp, is our favorite movies. Now, this is totally an eye-opener. Now, you would think our favorite movies may mirror some of the best movies of all time. And it may or may not. Uh, but I will say this. Your list, Cecil, was totally surprising. Shock and awe, man. That's what I like to go for. It's de it's definitely worth a, a listen because you're like, wow, really? That's well, oh, that's that's kind of interesting. I could I could see how you 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 could you you like that film, and that kind of happened throughout the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a really interesting list. Um, so what I'd like to see is after our listeners check it out, I'd like to hear what some of their favorite movies are. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. We have a nice conversation on the uh, the site for that. So if you want to get into our extra episodes way earlier than everyone else, then you can sign up for our newsletter at awayfromthekeyboard.com and uh, we'll send a, a message out saying when the extra episode is ready. And it should be ready here within the next, I'd say, two weeks or so. Nice. Sounds good. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to Casey Champion. Casey is a firm believer that talent is universal, but opportunity is not. She's dedicated to bringing technical education, and the economic empowerment it provides to all students. A software engineer turned teacher, Casey graduated from the University of Washington with a degree in electrical engineering. After graduation, she joined Microsoft as a software engineer. But every morning before work for the last three years, she's been a computer science teacher at local area high schools with the TEALS program. Huh, that sounds pretty cool. That's very cool. Her current passions include employment courses for community college students, increasing interest in tech for girls and students of color, empowering women in Afghanistan to rebuild their communities, and helping kids in refugee camps fill the gaps in their education. She like does everything, right? Like, She's amazing. I would say this. She is totally amazing. And uh, I think you'll agree too. 
This episode was recorded on March 28th, 2017. And now, our conversation with Casey Champion. And now, away from the keyboards, feature conversation. So today, I'm really excited about the guest that we have on the show. And I'd like to introduce everybody to Casey Champion. How are you doing, Casey? Good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. So Casey, you know, me and you have met before and we've, we've spoken a little bit about some of the things that you do for work, you know, particularly around education and some of those type of things. But before we even get into that conversation, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how exactly did you get started in technology? Sure. So I, let's see, I, so I'm from Seattle and I went from a school here, high school here to the University of Washington in Seattle. And my family is creative. So I went to school pretty much expecting to go into theater professionally, which is not the world's best life choice, especially if you're, say, going to school in Seattle. No hate on the drama scene in Seattle, but it was much more something that if I really wanted to pursue that, I should have gone to, say, New York or Chicago. But but Hamilton's coming to town. So isn't that kind of exciting? Don't even get me started, okay? <laughs> like, you have no idea how intense it is here in Seattle. Like, you can you can theoretically, if you theoretically buy theater tickets for the current season, meaning not the season Hamilton's even in, they're going to get let you get, pr- I don't even know. It's just, it's gotten cutthroat. It's insane. Wow. Okay. Um, I, of course, was a part of the Ladies March in Seattle, which was literally every single person in Seattle. And half the signs were like, Hamilton quotes and I was like none of you guys have even seen it there's no question in my mind <laughs> like, oh, God. that's funny <laughs> so helpless yeah so helpless they'll never be satisfied it's <clears throat> a very no. specific Hamilton reference yeah. yes mm-hmm. um yeah so I was gonna yeah unsurprising now I was a huge theater geek and that's what I was gonna do however I sort of grew up in the Silicon Valley area when I went to elementary school. And so I was just constantly surrounded by computers. In fact, I never, this is gonna sound really bougie, I guess, but I've never had a dial-up connection. Like I have clear memories of going to a friend's house and their modem making those insane sounds and being like, what is happening? I've never heard that sound before. And they were like, what do you mean? That's the internet sound. And I was like, that's not no, I just like go to the internet and it just happens. Oh my God. Um. You have no idea. And I have <laughs> memories of, so we, we had one phone line in the house at the time. And oh, yeah. so, I, so I'd be on the phone or, you know, my mom would be on the phone, vice versa or whatever. And somebody else would want to go on the internet. And then that just, you know, that just destroyed <sighs> everything. Like, yeah, it yes. got so bad. We had to get a second phone line because it just wasn't working out at all. Oh, that was luxurious. I like, I have clear memories of friends like, you know, mid aim chat and then they would just get bounced and then they'd come <laughs> back like 10 minutes later and they're like, oh, my mom had to make a phone call. It's hilarious. And you know what's funny too is that we got so used to, I got so used to hearing that staticky ringing sound. Like it was just natural. And now I can't even imagine hearing it. Like if, you know, if the, the AC makes too much noise, it's like, what is all that noise? Like, it's crazy. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, I played the sound for my high school kids uh, the other day because we were talking about, you know, computer history and things like that. And I had them try to guess what it was, which was <laughs> simultaneously hilarious and also made me feel super old, which is really inappropriate because obviously I'm very young and very cool. But of course, <laughs> yeah, the kids were like, uh, eventually I tried to explain what was going on and they were like, oh, is that the sound of modems talking to each other? And I was like, oh, maybe. I don't know. I didn't know how to answer that, but it's it's not right. Like, that's just a sound they put in there to make us feel like it's happening. Like we don't we as humans don't have to hear that sound. Right. Isn't that I don't know. That, okay. that must be what it is. They just, just put it in there to annoy us to make you feel like this is like some super important technology thing that's happening. Yeah, because I read well, because I read a bunch about it that was like people don't understand when things are happening, and it made them, you know, gave them that feedback like you're connecting to the internet. I think it has a real reason, like it's a real signal frequency, but eventually yeah, they didn't you. have to play it, and then because right. people expected it, I don't know, it's weird stuff. It freaked out all the sixteen year olds. That's for sure. <laughs> I can imagine. 
Yeah. So I'm sorry. So we, we went on for a little tangent, but so right. Sure. So you're saying that um, so you're initially into theater and into more of the artistic side of things, right? Right. Yeah. I was all about backstage. That was sort of my my jam, if you will. And I was really into like the lights and the set and working with my hands and stuff like that. And, you know, I love the creativity and the idea that you were, cre- you know, building this whole new world. And I thought that was so freaking cool. And then, you know, like reality set in real harsh about halfway through my freshman year of college. And I sort of realized like, ah, like it might be difficult to support my family with a theater degree. And, you know, I was I was in a situation. It was also this was like. This would have been 2006, 2007. So we weren't at financial crisis time, thank goodness. But, um, you know, the 2008 financial crisis hit my family hard. And it was pretty soon I was going to be the only breadwinner in the family. And I was like, oh, crap, you know, <laughs> drama is not the way to do that. Well, and so, uh, so you threw away your shot is what you're trying to say. Oh, gosh, <laughs> never again. <laughs> you could have been in Hamilton, huh? <laughs> Trust me, I'm working on it, all right? Maybe not on stage, but I write sassy things on the internet, so there you go, claim to fame. Nice. Yeah. So, well, it's funny, too, because it sounds like a very unromantic story, but I literally went to the University of Washington's list of majors, and then I cross-referenced the average starting salary for every major, and then I cross-referenced the average working time and then divided them to find the average like per hour amount of money per major. And then I sorted them. And <laughs> what was at the top? Computer engineering. You know, and so for example, like lawyer, doctor, those things are further up. However, you have to invest more into them because of graduate school and you have less free time. And to me, those were the two things I wanted. I wanted like the money to support my family and the free time to just be able to spend with them. And people hear that story and are like, oh, that's very unromantic. And I'm like, no, obviously I was born to be an engineer. I was like, I'm going to break this down to two variables. I am going to cross-reference them. And then I am going to sort this stuff and then make a clear decision. So right. that ultimately led me to computer science. And so what um, so you, what did you what did you start going to school at? Uh, at the University of Washington. I stayed and I switched from being a drama major to being, well, technically I'm an electrical engineering major because... I was convinced, how could you possibly program a computer unless you understand how transistors work? So, right. Yeah, of course, right? Good, yeah. Good, good call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A whole year of operational amplifiers was really super useful to my day job, but really understand how that electron jumps across the silicon. So, right. And, and that's why I left computer science and went to the School of Business for Computer Information Systems degree because. When I was going to write assembly, I have no idea. Yeah, man, I feel you. But <laughs> business, that's useful. That's like a real, that's a thing that people know and use. That's and, important. And, <laughs> and the girls were so much more in abundance and attractive in the school of business as that's well. That's an so. important motivator right there. Yeah. Huge yeah. motivator. Yeah. So I married yeah. a girl from the school of arts and sciences. Oh, smart. See, those were, we called those the normies, right? Like, <laughs> good for you, friend. <laughs> nice. So Casey, what was it like for you to to make such a shift in um in your education? I mean, obviously going from something more artistic to something more technical, you know, what was that like for you as a student and you know, in terms of shifting of workloads, shifting of, you know, thinking patterns in general, right? Yeah. I again like it's so funny because it, it's on paper, it's just such a weird departure. But for me, I one of the big things too, like even though I was, you know, very much interested in sort of the behind the scenes part of theater you know I did act and a big part of acting is can you memorize a bunch of stuff really fast and I can do that and so for example like chemistry and physics it was just like yeah no problem like I can just memorize all the formulas I can just memorize all the stuff and I've just always been the kind of person where I want to understand the details of everything and I think that especially in theater that's really important because you're analyzing humans which are insanely complicated right and you really have to put yourself in their shoes and you have to get their backstory and you have to go all the way down like what was this person like as a child and build them back up and to me that's you know computer science as well like how do I understand everything down to the bits and pieces and then I build that back up and so the thinking behind it for me was pretty consistent which is crazy to say 
I will say, however, you're right. The workload was not the same. And I've always had to work to, you know, pay for my schooling. And when I was a drama major, I had a full-time job that I did from like 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. every day, which was not a problem. And then I started doing my engineering classes and realized, oh, from 7 a.m. to 3 a.m. is when all the engineers work. So had to quit that job. So a little earlier, you mentioned that um, the financial crisis that, that hit around 2008 and, you know, you thinking about having to support your family kind of sounds like it was a part of you making this decision to make this shift, right? Well, um, she had to stay alive. <laughs> right. And I'll be and, doing this all night. <laughs> and I hope you don't I mind me asking. I've never seen someone so despondent. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'll uh, wait for it. <laughs> but um oh you guys are crazy gosh i hope that one hamilton slash computer science fan really gets a kick out of this conversation <laughs> there's more of us than you think <laughs> uh, there's tons there's tons but um so so i hope you don't mind me asking this question but yeah with with you having to think about your family and supporting your family and being in school and changing your major too to to kind of facilitate that like what kind of what kind of burden did you feel that put on you or or was that you know like how did that really affect you mentally kind of going through that process Ultimately it was great you know ultimately it's truly what took me from being sort of a silly 17 year old to being somebody that I was proud to be somebody that I felt like was intentional was actively working to not only contribute to like her family but to the world and that's a big part of what guides my decisions now and yeah man it was like I'm not gonna lie it was tough it was one of those things where I just sort of like looked around at all the things like my current group of friends were doing and I just could not connect with them anymore you know there were wonderful sweet people but I just I was like dude I can't pretend that I really care about what that guy said at that party right now I just like can't <laughs> yeah can't be invested in that and so I sort of got really, I don't want to say secluded, but I sort of, you know, pulled away socially and just really focused on what my goals were. And thankfully, I have this incredible younger sister who is just the best, the best. She's the best. And she was adorable. And I think that I started college at the same time she started middle school and watching her go through, let's be real, the hell that is middle school kept me incredibly focused. Like I was like, man, I am going to make sure that by the time I get out of college that you like have a clear plan, that you know that you can go to college, that you've got like some guidance. And it just made my life a lot simpler if I was just going to focus on my family. But it essentially meant that I went dark from anything other than schoolwork family for a long time. And in fact, because I had to pay for my own school, it took me it took me six years to get through undergrad because I had to take a year off to work to pay for it. And then I ultimately took a year off to do internships, which like half funded school and then funded my travels after school because I was like, hey, I'm going to give myself four months of being a kid and travel the world afterwards. Wow. I hear Disney's a magical place, man. I have to admit, I'm one of those obnoxious adult fans of Disney. Like I have an annual pass to Disneyland. I live oh, like a, nice. I live a three hour flight from Disneyland. Like they're, you know, like it's outrageous. Do you bound though? Do you Disney bound? Yeah, I do. Dis yeah, because I'm a lady and I enjoy the whimsy of getting dressed up and going to Disneyland. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to the Halloween party? Best part. I'm just saying. Yes, we've gone. Not on the West Coast. We're East Coasters, so we've got the bigger parts and better everything. All right. Okay. <laughs> Listen, Disneyland is a testament to the dream that is Walt Disney. Also, you can do both parks and every single thing in the parks in a comfortable weekend without wanting to kill yourself. And though your parks are too big. I know that's a crazy thing to say. <laughs> yeah, but... that is a crazy thing to say. That is absolutely a crazy thing to say. And you could actually say that the dream was perfected at Walt Disney World. Listen, I have to agree with you, though, because I know that's what Walt would want. <laughs> so, Actually, okay. he didn't want that, but that's what they did after he died. Yeah, no, but he he bought that space because he was like, Disneyland, we didn't think big enough. We don't have the opportunity to do all the things I dreamed of. And Roy lived just long enough to make sure that Walt Disney opened in the way that Walt would have wanted. Well, Epcot kind of took a left turn, but you know, like, whatever. Well, see, exactly. They, the they wanted to the build world. Epcot, this huge community. And yeah. 
and have everyone live there and work there and have this crazy thing and like a utopia it was going to be this beautiful like egalitarian society and then yeah i don't know yeah and then they built disney world right the magic kingdom (laughs) they built another no there was always going to be a park but he wanted people to live near the park right that was like always i don't know well essentially it was was always epcot right i mean and then he died and they said well what do we do well let's build disneyland part two over there and then we'll figure the rest out and then epcot turned into be the kind of i guess world's fair thing idea not that that that's bad i think epcot's the, the best theme park in the world personally that's really okay. that's my story and i'm sticking to it yeah that's fine i think it's beautiful the idea of epcot is beautiful but it's not my favorite park Ooh, what is your <laughs> nope. favorite park it's obviously disneyland oh, um however <laughs> you, i'm gonna disneyland give a people. special yeah because because he lived there because you walk past walt's apartment I, okay whatever i won't get deep into it um but special shout out to tokyo disney sea if you've ever been to that one Oh, I haven't. Ooh, tell yeah, me more. Good. Dude, yeah. Well, one, is there a more polite society than the Japanese? Never has there been a more orderly queue. The British Commonwealth in me is very impressed with how Disneyland Tokyo is run. It's just so perfect. There's no upset children. Everybody is dressed as if they are going to a lovely dinner out. It's just so polite. And wow. then Tokyo Disney Sea has all of these attractions that do not exist in any of the other parks. And they also have this hilarious world because it's all like sea themed, like there's Mediterranean Sea and there's like Arabian Sea. Um, But they have what one of the lands is called the American Waterfront. And there is nothing more hilarious than Disney Japanese interpretation of America. Frankly, it's the America oh I wish I lived in. So, really? yeah. Oh my gosh! No, I got to go over there and see this. Um, well, they de- well also too. I have to. Admit, I, I was there. Actually, I was there in my like tour post graduation, and I had I had just spent three months living in India, and then I was like, I'm going to go back to the like technology world, and I'm going to go to Japan post India, and it was like the most intense culture shock of my life. Like for some reason, I was ready for India, loved India, my favorite place in the world, and I went to Japan, and I just like bottomed out. I couldn't handle it, but I have this very clear moment of like being in Disneyland Tokyo and realizing that they had hired a bunch of Americans to come over and portray the characters. And it was the first Americans I had seen in like three and a half months. And I had this very odd moment with a Prince Eric because I heard his accent and I was like, Prince Eric, you are American. (laughs) And then he heard my accent and he was like, you too come from far away. And then we had to like pretend, right? Because we're like around a bunch of kids. Like this is a totally, this is a normal thing that Prince Eric is possible. I don't even know if Prince Eric's supposed to be American, whatever. And then a bunch of Japanese girls asked to take our picture together which is really funny because i looked like a disgusting travel hippie but whatever that exists some japanese girls have pictures of me and prince eric enjoying being american in each other's company <laughs> that's awesome man. of course those are stories we heard about all the time at, at when i was working for disney you know the, the oh, guys like the would americans go up and going the, over yeah well the guys would go and pick up the college girl college program girls or vice versa i guess that didn't happen I mean, to you you were just you were just in the moment with Prince Eric. Yeah. Well, also, like I said, I looked disgusting. So, you know, I'm sure Prince Eric was like, oh, are you homeless? But wait, we're in Disneyland. So that doesn't compute because it's really expensive to be here. But um, I mean, if he was offering, I was going to take him up on it. Because how many times do you get to say like, yeah, like Prince Eric and I. Shared- we went to, we had a nice dinner afterwards. That's what we had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. No, we're going to have to make a trip over to uh, to Tokyo Disney, man, and see what's going on over there. It's a good time. As an engineer, I highly recommend not only for the incredible mechanical engineering marvels that are their rides, but also because their line management systems appease the industrial engineer in me. <laughs> <laughs> their queuing system is amazing. It's amazing. Ah. That, that's why I drive my friends insane because I like one, I love going into detail and everything. So I've read like too many Walt Disney biographies to mention. And so whenever we go to Disneyland, my favorite thing is to bring new people and to tell them about all the engineering marvels that is Disneyland, because I believe it's like engineer paradise. Like they've thought of everything. They've thought of how the color hues will photograph and they've organized the like force perspective of the castle yes. and every, it's just everything is engineered i love it it's perfect one of my one of my favorite ones is um kind of in epcot where over near the um 
it's one of the restaurants over in Future World, you hear this almost like baby bird noises. And, and it's almost like they're in distress. And I remember recall that, you know, it's like, well, what's going on there? And then I later find out they there's a recording of a baby bird in distress so that other birds won't go near there. Oh. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, I'm not like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if they, they probably do this in Disney World, but like in Disneyland, like they pump different scents into the air. Yep. Like they pump vanilla to stimulate your, you know, like to make you hungrier, which... I don't, yeah, as obviously super effective. <laughs> you know, I think I could have another uh, Mickey waffle there. Yeah, that sounds yeah, good. I'm still kind of hungry, right? Everything's more delicious Mickey shaped. <laughs> it's a scientific fact. So you have to forgive me because the West Coast, I'm so West Coast, I can barely function. Um, and East Coasters, not that you guys, I know Florida does not consider, does Florida consider themselves, like, would you think of yourselves as East Coasters? Florida is six different states. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. I trust that. Um, I know little about Florida, but I know because like a lot, I have a lot of friends from like the Boston area because, you know, engineering. And I'm always, I'm just so ignorant of what's going. Like, I have to admit, I didn't know Boston was further north than New York until I went to Boston. And I was like, no, you guys don't get it. There's only three states on the West Coast. I don't need to worry about like what's going on over here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, technically, I live in northern Cuba, which is the Miami-Dade oh. area. Yes. So, <laughs> northern so, Cuba. I think I think Cecil, you're you're not so much northern Cuba. No, um, there's actually no Cuba by me at all. No. Um, oh. No. Um, I'm so over here is very um, a lot of Caribbean people. A lot of we have a lot of Venezuelans actually. A lot of Venezuelans yep. live over here. Yep. Um, what oh. else we got? Well, you're closer um, to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And I'm closer yeah. to Miami. So we have, I think, we have a little bit more of a diverse mix of people. Like Miami, where, where Richie's is very Hispanic, extremely Hispanic. Um, here, I, you know, over in Fort Lauderdale, there's, you know, the French, there's Russians, again, tons of Caribbean people. So, you know, Haitians, Jamaicans, you know, Trinidadians. You could speak English there. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can go to the bank and actually get like a deposit slip. And it's in English. That's that's amazing. You can't do that in Miami. That's like weird. In Miami, you that's have to go so and weird. read. Like, I'm, if you go to Miami, you have to be able to read and speak Spanish, else you get actually no business done. Do wow. I read? Do I read and speak Spanish? I'm sure you do. Nope. Don't you, aren't you? Aren't you like half Mexican or yep. something? Nope. Oh. My oh. mom said we live in America. We speak English. When's the last and time you I went to a bank? <laughs> what was that? When was the last time you went into a bank? Oh my, I had no idea. And got like a okay. paper slip. Yeah, when was the last time anybody did that? <laughs> See, exactly. There's an app yeah. for that, by the way. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Automatic check deposit, that is the greatest invention. I forget this Hyperloop stuff, whatever. Oh, wow. You know, just, you know, sometimes I just look around and look around how lucky we are to be alive right now. <laughs> that sounds like the Drake album. No, what, no, what no. a time to be alive! No, no, God, <laughs> get, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's get back to it. Um, so, so Casey, obviously, we've been talking. You know, we're talking about Disney, and obviously, a lot about the the engineering stuff that kind of. Well, yeah, you're going to cut all that bit. Disney stuff out, right? Don't let anyone know. Uh, <laughs> Unless you really we, want it cut out. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. It's fine. There's obviously no secret. 90% of my Facebook photos are of me at Disneyland. I mean, I'm a normal, <laughs> well-adjusted adult. That's that's fine. We all love Disney. That's cool. Do, yeah. But do you get them to autograph your, the pictures you took from the last time you were at Disneyland? Okay, I have to admit, I have not progressed to that level yet. <laughs> Next time. Next time. Next time. Yeah, now I have a goal. Thank you. That's funny. <laughs> Why you're bounding as that princess, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those poor princesses won't know what's happening. I have to admit, well, because like, um, well, one, do you guys have a favorite princess? And choose wisely, because this is a very important question. Favorite princess. Wow. Um, yeah. Can I pick two? Yeah. You're allowed to pick ten, I'm, I I'm allowed to pick two. <laughs> okay. I'll pick two princesses. My favorite princesses were Princess Jasmine from... Um, Aladdin. Yeah. And Ariel. Ariel. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So if we're talking about face characters in the park, it's Jasmine, period. End of story. Just 
what really? they've done with her costume. And they've changed it recently, and I know they have, but her costume was just, it, it almost was not safe for the park. Yeah, that's true. Also, but, well, because I don't know if you guys had this in Disney World, but they give her a moo-moo when it gets cold out, which was tough. Oh, yeah, no. Tough. Well, I, I, I've seen the mountain rain and stuff, and they're just like, eh, go. Eh. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Well, you guys are in Florida. In, like, L.A., they are, like, if there is a drizzle, there are, like, no characters out. Everybody hide. So, but that happens, like, once a year, so. Where did everyone go? Actually, I do have a princess story, if you really want to know. Yeah. Okay. So it was my, I think it was my second day at Disney. They, they have you go through a day and a half of training called traditions, right? First day is classroom work. Oh, and they try they're, to... Sp- their training's called traditions? Traditions. That's amazing. Now, remember, this is 20 years ago, so it could have changed by then, but I doubt it. So... No, it's fir- traditions. That's the point. It doesn't change. Yeah, right? <laughs> so they sprinkle this, the, the proverbial pixie dust on you, or they snort it. I don't remember which one it was. But um, and it was all about the history of the parks and what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do and all this the safety rules and all this other stuff. But the second half, this, the next day, you come back and you do a um, a guest experience in the park. So oh. yeah, okay, you just get to go to the park, right? Yeah, well, we go to the park and they kind of show us some of the underground tunnels, something that you guys don't have. And mm. we're walking down the tunnels and we're, you know, we're going off and we're, you know, we have to, we're all wearing ties, you know, and, but we have to take our name tags off. Like, like you don't know we work there. Right. Um, yeah. So we, we go do the guest experience and then we go have lunch. So we go downstairs to the cafeteria and I get my lunch and I sit down and right in front of me is Cinderella. Like at backstage. Like backstage. I'm in the cafeteria, two tables in front of me, Cinderella. Cinderella doesn't have, she has, the poof in her, sh- her dress is off, right? So that's gone. Oh, so she's not wearing her petticoat. So it's just like a, a kind of limp dress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, okay. And she's smoke. she's taking drag off a, off a cigarette. No. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, magic stone. There's, there's, no, there's no magic. The magic is dead. Cinderella's sitting here in half a dress and smoking in front of me. It's over. That makes me really, really sad to hear. Um, okay, confession time. Um, maybe I own a small business and maybe the small business is a children's birthday party entertainment business. And maybe that means I spend my weekends dressed up like Cinderella a lot. I don't know. Just a thing that happens sometimes, I guess. Oh God, don't tell my daughter. She loves Cinderella. Dude, it's the best. Well, actually I do Elsa more often than anything else now because, you know, the kids these days, but. Wow. So how'd you start that? Um, because I worked through college all the time and I had a bunch of crappy, crappy jobs. And then I was walking through the drama department back when I was still taking classes and I saw a flyer on the wall that was like, Hey, do you like, you know, working with children? Do you like performing? Come be a Disney princess on the weekends. And I was like, um, Disney, like children performing, let's do this. And so I loved it so much. I worked for another person in college that when I graduated, I was like, heck, I can do this myself. And so I started a business and hired my sister and, I mean, we don't do a ton of business, mostly because I'm super busy, but just, yeah, I probably do a couple birthday parties a weekend and, you know, you pick your character and I try to do magic, which is really laughably bad, but nobody cares because it's Elsa. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so you it means do like, I, different I drive princesses as, and stuff? Yeah. So I do the different princesses and Cinderella is one of them and her, just so you know, her dress is incredibly uncomfortable. So yeah, I have a lot of like car rides where i'm just wearing like the cinderella petticoat or whatever you know and just driving around oh. <laughs> like oh, the geez. world's most depressing cinderella but were you were you were you smoking at the same time no thank okay. goodness Oof. i am from seattle so i'm driving around like a you know a vintage volkswagen bus and like drinking fair trade coffee or whatever <laughs> nice i swore it was a prius you were driving you know, don't joke, but I want to buy one so bad because, and this is going to be the most Seattle thing I've said all day, my 1969 Vita bus is being really unreliable right now, and I don't have the money to replace its axle, so I'm thinking of trading in my Vita bus for a Prius. I know. Yeah, that know. is the most Seattle thing, and you've said a lot of Seattle things in, in this recording so far, and that is the most Seattle thing you've ever seen, you said. Yeah. <laughs> Inescapable. <laughs> Oh, but you got to keep the bus, though. Like, that's vintage. I know. Don't. Yeah, I know. It's very stressful. I'm also, like, unsurprisingly, like, a car person. And I had, you know, purchased this car from a, like, he was a mechanical engineer. 
um, that went to UW and he got the car like in the because it's a 69 and I think he bought it in like 75 and had owned it until I purchased it from him like five years ago. And so like and his wife was like, you can't drive this car anymore. This car needs real work. And so he like handed it off to me and he was like, as from one engineer to another, like, please love this car and like raise your children. in it." And I was like, whoa, that's a long way out. <laughs> Um, I was mostly just planning on camping a bunch, but yeah. So now it's, well, it's really funny too, because my, cause I, so I teach at a high school in South Seattle, which means there's no parking because Seattle, but I drive the bus there and I just like try to have to squish it into the little bits of parking spaces there are. And so all the school knows like, oh, like, well, that's Miss Champion's bus. So you got to give her lots of room because she doesn't have power steering. Otherwise she's going to clip your whatever Honda Civic you drive in Whoa. high school. I mean, I'm a good driver. <laughs> you got to be if you drive in the bus with no power steer. Yeah, that's true. I have very strong upper abdomen area. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I, I have one more question. I lied. I just, this is my, and this is really truly my last question. Okay, I was like, which Hamilton lyric do I need to be ready for? So Beauty and the Beast, 2017 or okay. 1992? I have not seen the new one yet. <gasps> I know. I'm really, okay, one, really bad about seeing current movies. I still haven't seen the live action Cinderella yet. Um, but obviously the answer to that is 1992. I'm sorry. Like, I'm a big, I'm a, like, I am a member of the Emma Watson book club and I am still like a 1992 kind of girl. Like, sorry, but nah, nah, it's not happening. Right? Uh, I'm, I'm going to hold out for you seeing it and you, I don't think you're going to change your opinion. But um, it is kind of strange to to hear a, a British French girl. It's just kind of odd. Oh, she doesn't change her accent. No, and that's like not addressed throughout the whole film. Like Lumiere, super French. L- L- Lumiere, yes, yes. Who plays by a British guy? So. Oh my God, it's Ian McGregor, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's mm. there are mm. like French actors. You'd think that they would could find a couple, right? That. Yeah, <laughs> you would. That's th- cool. <laughs> yeah, you would think so, but. Uh, yeah, well, I, you'd think they'd also be able to find an Asian actress for Ghost in the Shell, but whatever, ScarJo, do your thing, I guess. <laughs> Fine, that's whatever. Wait, that's totally going to be a normal movie. And I'm completely forgiving the whole thing just because they have her in that ghost suit or whatever. I'm... And she's doing a lot of that like like superhero squat thing. <laughs> yeah. There's like a lot of her jumping and then squatting. I'm, so. I'm Black Widow, but in a white suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's got black hair instead, so. <laughs> That's probably exactly how she got the role. I'm sure it is. <laughs> they were like, oh, you could jump and check. shoot guns and stuff, right? Like, this could work out. Yeah. Well, they just cool. they just said, well, okay, well, how much money would we make if she's in it versus someone we don't know? That's how yeah. that would work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not that it's right, but that's how that works. Well, Business I know where I'll spend my dollars is what I'll say for that one. So there you go. Beauty and Beast Your live parts. action? That's what I'm I'm thinking. Okay, I you know what I will go. I will I will do it. I gotta go see it. Yeah, you 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 gotta go see it. See it in in the theater. Okay. Share what you think. Um, I I it I saw Beauty and the Beast in 1992 in a it was a preview double feature with Father of the Bride. Okay. Oh. That is the most 1992 thing I've heard in a yes. long time. Yes, yeah. and it was it was a special preview, and I and it was out, and I'm like, I like Steve Martin, and this film's afterwards. Who Let's doesn't? so we had a, a bunch of us go, and um, I loved it. I mean, it, it, that that movie it should have won Best Picture that year, Silence of the Lambs, whatever. Okay, but <laughs> that that movie was amazing, and I've just I went out and. I'm a senior in high school. There's no reason I should be going out buying the soundtrack for Beauty and the Beast. Went out and bought it. Right? But Howard Ashman is a genius because he yes. managed to rhyme expectorating. <laughs> like, right? Like, come on. That's just a work of genius. I, I so. will say the live action does clear up some of the ambiguities and the things that don't really make sense in the movie. Yeah, that um, timeline thing. But was he ten when she cursed him? We don't know. Yeah, I know that's exactly right. It's like, wow, yeah. huh? Twenty eleven? I don't. How does that work? So they took the. I have. They took the ten oh, year. We've been sitting here ten years, uh, rusting whatever. They t- actually took that out and changed that line. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. I guess that's the easiest way to do it. Because that's literally the only reason that that's a problem. Pretty that much. Online. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. And and they uh, changed the um, uh, a few things around, but uh, all in all, I would say it was a it, it was a valiant effort. And is it worth the I guess three hundred million dollars that it's made in ten days or whatever? Probably not. But they're going to take that money now, and they're going to make more live action princess films. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, Lin Manuel is writing the music for The Little Mermaid, so let's That's do that. Right. That's because right. Moana I forgot about was that. Awesome. So totally robbed at the Oscars because okay. Also, I haven't seen La La Land, but I am sure whatever freaking song won was not as good. Yeah, I guess La La Land's got to just say you're welcome because. <laughs> he, I mean, literally, he he could have been the man, right? I mean, he's one of the few guys that uh, would have won, I guess, an uh, an Oscar, an Emmy, yeah. a Tony, and a Grammy. Yeah. Right. And so now he's still missing that Oscar. He'll get it. He'll get it. Yeah. He's like, how old is that guy? He's 35. doing fine. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I'm accomplished. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> also, because in the Heights, am I right? Also, he wrote a song for Star Wars. Whatever. No. He did. You're exactly right. Yeah. That song played in uh, Masca, Mas, uh, Masa's Cantina, right? Yeah. Was yes. that Rogue One? No, that no. was The Force Awakens. It was The Force Awakens? Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Gosh, that's so cool. That's amazing. What? This guy, man. I-, I swear, I must have a man crush on him. I- this has to happen. <laughs> he writes like he's running out of time. What are you going to do? Oh! are you okay over there (laughs) we'd like to thank Casey for being a guest on the show it was great to have the opportunity to chat with her if you like the show please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com also remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, and on twitter at podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or on iTunes. And if you really know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you get extra episodes of behind-scene access to Away From The Keyboard. Next time on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have part two of our conversation with Casey Champion. Nobody in Microsoft know, or within Office knows how to unit test. Can you teach them? Which was what a ridiculous thing to ask of a 22-year-old to go to like the Word team that's been working together and writing the same code base for the last 30 years and be like, hey, I'm here to teach you something new. So see you next time. Peace. want to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego!
Oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. It was the best. Did you guys do the like after school tour or the gap year thing the kids are all talking about now? No, I didn't. I I think I went to Disney after I graduated, but that was it. (laughs) Well, you used to work at Disney. That doesn't count. (laughs) No, really? Did you do the college program? I did do the college program. But Is it, it was everything like, I dreamed it would be. <laughs> okay, so do you really want to get into it? Because I can get into it. Um, <laughs> so I was it. actually technically an intern. It was kind of like this offshoot of the college program. Um, so I worked one summer was for an HR system deployment where um, I was technically part of the PC land team. And the next summer, I did a this new fandangled thing called a 3D database, or as it's called now, a data warehouse. And that was for the MGM Studios and for the um, Wilderness Lodge. And I was in charge of, you know, doing more PC land typey stuff, and which was cool because I could sit there and walk backstage to the studios and nobody took two bats at me and park backstage no problem walked around back there and the from the earth to the moon was being filmed uh, at that time which was oh. totally cool and the, all the sets were there and it's like yeah i got a computer right here so oh no not here i gotta go <laughs> where's, where's the <laughs> restaurant again i don't know um, um but yeah it was so you were totally a technical cool. intern that's amazing that's like that's super cool because everybody that does that program ultimately has to like, I don't know, work in one of the shops or something, right? Like you don't get the most glamorous jobs. Yeah. So that I was kind of like on the, on the intern side, technically still part of college program, but only as like an offshoot. So your normal CP, uh, in, I don't want to say intern, but your CP program person would go in and they're like lifeguarding, they're janitorial, yeah. they're retail. Yes. Um, they're, yeah. And so we lived, uh, my first summer there, there's Disney-owned housing called Vista Way. Oh, I've and, heard, friend. Oh, I and it's all true. I've heard all Every, about it. It's true? Everything is true. Everything that you've ever heard, however <laughs> outlandish you, you think it is, it is absolutely true. 100% true. And I, I could get into some risky stuff here if you really want. Yeah. This could be really interesting. Um, I mean, I guess I'm 0% surprised. It's like a bunch of 19 to 21-year-olds crammed oh. into like corporate housing who work at Disney World, right? Oh my like, gosh. It, it's it's even worse than that because the way that they recruit, they recruit type A personalities, right? Because oh. we want to make sure that you represent the Disney company in the way that it needs to be represented. So they want the outgoing bubbly type A personalities. And where do they find those? In sororities and fraternities. Oh, no. So, you have oh, so I would bo- never, ever last in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some, some of those oddballs that did that. But the majority, they were frats and sororities. And what little money they had left after they took out for their housing, they they bought booze with it and or condoms. And whatever they had left after that, that's what they bought food. Right. And that was it. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to hear that condoms came first because my first question was literally going to be how many college program babies are there walking around? (laughs) (laughs) So I got a story about that one. But I mean, every night I I was working from about 8 a.m. to about 8 p.m. My first summer there, it was it was pretty intense project. It was a people soft project. There was about 25 people on the project team and they were they were going. I mean, they were moving pretty at at a pretty good clip. I have not been on a project that intense since then i mean that large that intense when you know 20 million dollar project as a you know 20 year old intern it's kind of crazy um maybe it was 21 the most uh, intense software project you've ever been a part of is for disney world that's what you're telling me right now they were they were going at a really hard clip i mean they weren't playing they weren't screwing around at all um (laughs) and and it was it was shocking because i thought every project worked like that and it that's totally not true. <laughs> it's totally, <laughs> it's totally. I've worked on bigger projects and still they didn't they didn't work as hard as those guys did. But a lot of them, the reason for that was because a lot of them had come up through the organization through other, you know, they had worked in the parks and they had worked all these different jobs in Disney World and they had landed themselves in IT on this project and they saw that as a jumping off point. So they were putting in all these hours because they wanted to you know, improve their career, which, which right. made sense. Because they were like going to be Imagineers. Is that what's going to happen? Is that <laughs> no, not really? Because you have to be like a PhD to be an Imagineer, right? Yeah. Well, one of the guys actually was Mickey Mouse. 
he actually he was the short short guy and he actually walked around Mickey Mouse. He would occasionally, you know, sign things Mickey Mouse around the around the office and stuff like that. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, there was cool. another guy that, you know, ran the Haunted Mansion, uh, was a part of the attraction team for Haunted Mansion for years and years. You know, and so these were these were people that were really well versed in the how the how the park worked, but they were just ended up on this uh this project team and they're like, Okay, this is my shot here to um they weren't gonna throw away their shot. All right, Indeed. so that's yeah. essentially what they were going to do. So I'm on this team, and inevitably at 2 o'clock in the morning, all these people start flowing into the complex, and they start partying because party, right? I mean, I'm at Disney, and yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to party. And it, it was a little rough there for a little bit, right? So when, when my time was done that first summer, I was, I was ready to go. But, okay, so here's my story, and I'll, I'll do it quickly. So... Um, they had to move us out. So I was in a four-bedroom or four-person, two-bedroom apartment. Oh, you had to share rooms? Like We had college. to share rooms. That's why it's shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had to move me out because they were bringing other people in. And so they moved me into a, a six-person place. Okay. I, I hear you, Seth. So they moved me into a six-person place just for like a week because my project team wanted to keep me on for another week. And ah. I go in to this place and no one's home, right? It's a Sunday, so everybody was working. I, I, I go in and I find the empty bed and I go into put all my stuff in that room. And sure enough, there's an empty condom wrapper sitting right in the middle of the floor. Oh, my and gosh. I know. And, and, it, and the place just reeked of alcohol. Oh, my gosh. You know that old that putrid like someone vomited like on yeah. every corner of the room and it just it just like reeked and i'm like oh my gosh where where am i and um i ended up meeting the the, the suite mates and they're all super cool people but it was just not the cleanest that i was expecting you know from a from a bunch of people working at disney well, i guess they've been there a while and they're like oh screw it whatever man <laughs> but oh, oh, oh man that was I, I was ready to go i think i left half my stuff in the car because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm ready to go in a moment's instance i'm gone but it was it was good enough to where i went back the next summer and um Oh, did the well, next nice one, then. and it was a it was a lot better the next because I knew the ropes and I knew what to expect and how to handle people and things like that. But man, that first summer I grew up a lot. <laughs> See, I grew up 